Welcome to Know Your Audience, a marketing mini-cast that explores how knowing an audience can unlock greater insight. In this episode, we talk about the role of the creator not so much as a disruptive force, but as an audience enabler. Paul, I want you to jump back just a little bit and talk to us about this disruptive role of the creator in our marketing environment today. Whether disruption probably is looked at from a traditional sense of the word, you know, or whether it's just something that had to happen (laughs) is another way of looking at this, I think. And what the creators are doing is owning an audience. That's it. They own an audience and they're not necessarily beholden to one platform. That audience is multi-channel. They understand how they behave and they're able to better than control the outcomes. You know, so whether those outcomes are views, whether it's commercial, um, a few episodes back we talked about Mr. Beast, um, mm-hmm. for instance, diversifying and owning that audience and bringing it to other platforms. We talked about McDonald's and the way that they've done it with creators. Really, really interesting. And, and there's a lot of other things happening in the world where content creators as businesses are starting to dictate I guess a lot more of the commercial side of things of how things work. Um, and I think it's really interesting. So this, re- this requires a real mental shift for us yeah. because this is new and this is adding another category to how we go about organizing what we're going to do with our products. And one that we may not have been thinking about five years ago. Yeah, completely. And it's not people on Instagram making content that's just driving this revolution. Like it's changing uh, around how, how to build an audience and and brands are joining the shift and big brands that we interact with every day. And, and, and basically we're seeing this and it's a tectonic shift. I don't like to use, but that's, but it's, it's that big. It is. And there's many, many small deals where people are driving extraordinary profit from audience understanding. And what are, and some really recent examples I think that are really probably encapsulate this movement probably on a more real basis for a lot of people is 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 away from the creators and just looking at more traditional more traditional I guess what we would de- determine as creatives <laughs> you know musicians particularly so one one that stands out to me to sell uh, to to really drive home this concept is is someone like Bob Dylan when I say Bob Dylan what do you think. I think of bad vocals. <laughs> but I, I think of somebody who is still making music. And when you say the word Bob, say the name Bob Dylan or put on a Dylan tune, people, it's recognizable and don't, it, it cuts across age groups. It does too. But, and, and, and I think if you think about these lyrical content, yeah. it was anti-establishment at a certain period of time, probably encapsulated a mood at the time. You know, you think of songs like Hurricane or you know, civil about civil rights or, or even, you know, from from his bigger hits as well. That feeling of, of sort of people first, profit last, all that sort of thing. Well, he's just sold his entire back catalogue to Universal Music for $300 million. Writes everything, gone. And he's not the only person doing this lately. Which is opposite to what he was singing about. Yes, and it's and, that, and this is a really different way of artists who are timeless thinking about their back catalogue and the rights to that back catalogue. So there's a fund, I think, out of Japan that's that's been literally snapping up 
entire back catalogues of artists who are perhaps in the twilight of their career. They can still make music and everything, but the, the hits are now owned by these funds and the funds get money in from their royalties, obviously, but then also it creates new licensing opportunities that their existing management structures wouldn't, wouldn't you know, maybe not allow for but just aren't able to do so you know making you know and this is the this is again perhaps you know the juxtaposition of someone like bob dylan selling back catalog but that would give the power of that owner now to license the music for you know a kfc commercial in japan or something you know but there is real revenue streams being driven by bringing the power of that audience he's mm. he, he has an immediately recognizable sound many many other artists are doing it i think he's a great example of it and, and what it gives us is a really unique insight into how big conglomerates now are understanding, okay, we can actually make a lot of money from from this as a secure revenue source for the next 10, 15 years. Which is totally disrupting the way, in, in the case of the music industry, it's been done in the past. Yes, yeah, and, and, and you really, you know, you step back and go, well, okay, there was a massive disruption when the iPod came out and iTunes and... Music went from physical to digital and less tangible for a lot of people, but suddenly much greater access. So discovery becomes a lot better. And then you start to look at audience first platforms like Spotify and things like that, that really try and tailor your experience to, to the music and everything. And then the actual creators were left behind um, mm. to a certain extent, you know, um, with, with, with how they were recompensed or... or yeah, the compensation. It's not even a word, is it? But the compensation that they were getting was driven largely, you know, physical and touring. And then it just became touring. And that's why you had these giant tours going around that were really spectacle-based from right. the big artists. And now it's like, well, hang on, there's this huge revenue stream that can be, can be tapped into. And if I'm making hits... You know, I want to make sure I see the upside of those hits. And this is what, what's become really smart. And I think there's, there's other ways of doing it. So what's become, I think, an app that has become extraordinarily popular and a conversation that a lot of people have started to have is around mental health, um, particularly during the pandemic. And Headspace is probably the most famous app that has come from, from not necessarily that, it was around for a long time before that, but I think gained a lot of popularity as people were more aware of the need for, for, for managing their own mental health as well as physical and meditation and all those sorts of things. And Netflix is basically doing con co-created content with Headspace now. So you have this cross-fertilisation where this audience that's very familiar with particularly the, the founder, um, Andy, who's the voice of Headspace, uh, is now voicing content on netflix that's being created for their audience and you start to get this cross-pollinization of different platforms coming together that have a unique sort of element where we, i can deliver people you deliver your brand and the two will meet in the middle and i just think you know this is a great example of how influence creation and everything like that is turning big business um, albeit i guess new business when we're talking about music right purchasing and video streaming definitely a new way of looking at at old forms of content that's for sure yeah yeah and i think you know even look at the the streaming platforms away from the netflix and spotify's you've got warner brothers you know bringing everything onto onto like their hbo max and all that sort of stuff the, the cinema releases are going to be released at the same time on streaming as in the cinema who would have who would have ever thought we'd see that day yeah, exactly and, and and disney for instance with disney, disney plus exceeding all of their revenue projections because of the content because there's an audience for that content and so it comes with that and 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 this is there's just so many examples of these I and mean, that's just a couple of examples where creators are disrupting this long-standing in industry norm 
And it's because they understand the audience. And so this brings a new dimension of the value proposition to a brand, you know, like you start, people start to value things differently. So, you know, the Bob Dylan example, again, going back and, and probably, you know, it's a, it's not the world's best example of this, but if you think about it, gives a different dimension to the value of his music. So he walks away with his pot of money. Twilight of the career, probably a great move, you know, for, for his benefactors and things like that over time. But what it gives is a, is a new way of approaching his music, but, you know, it gives a new way of, of a new audience being reached that he'd never be able to reach. And, you know, when you really understand an audience, you begin to unlock all these things. It becomes a domino, you know, profit becomes easier to come by because you're spending less to reach that audience as a brand. And what's driving literally all of these deals is the audience. So the McDonald's examples we talked about a few episodes back, there's, there's lots of other collaborations that happen on a daily basis, you know, it's happened for a long time in um in clothing um, and footwear but it's happening in a lot of different sectors in really unique ways and and what it is is that audience drives the deal as well so and you're starting to see this on a much much bigger scale than ever before the takeaway from this episode is we need to really start thinking about the power of the audience and the simple fact that the better we understand the audience, the easier it is for us to unlock its potential. You can get in touch with me across the socials at the JamesCast or james at thejamescast.com. And get in touch with me, Paul, through d-a.co or otherwise email me at paul.kelly at d-a.co. Thanks for listening.